Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, October 22nd, 2018. Broadcasting from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. On today's show, I will react to all of Sunday's Week 7 games in the NFL, and I'll discuss some of the top storylines right now in the NFL. Producer Pete is not in studio today, uh, but he did send me his shoulda, coulda, woulda bet from the weekend where he puts his hindsight cap on and tells me what I should have bet over the weekend in the NFL games or really anything that he sees where I made a mistake and I should have put my money on and I didn't. And that is presented by CrossFit 617. So we'll have his shoulda, coulda, woulda. Plus, we had a fight in the NBA over the weekend. That's right, in the NBA. The Lakers and the Rockets. I will react to that madness But I'll open the show with some thoughts on the World Series, which begins Tuesday night at Fenway. The Red Sox and the Dodgers, Game 1 of the World Series, Tuesday night. So uh, it's a World Series Monday, all of it presented by DraftKings. Play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PICK. That's promo code PICK at DraftKings. You can draft a new team every week. With no season-long commitments, I'm already on to week eight in the NFL, and you should be too. Sign up right now for the $1.25 million play action contest for Sunday's week eight slate. $1.25 million in total prizes with $100,000 going to first place. Just pick your team and follow the action live on your DraftKings app. And again, play in this contest for free by signing up using promo code PICK, P-I-C at DraftKings.com. Today's show is also presented by BetOnline. Sign up today at BetOnline.ag and use promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% welcome bonus. That's promo code PODCAST1 at BetOnline.ag for a 50% welcome bonus with college football, the NFL, and the World Series about to begin. This is the perfect time to make your online wages at betonline.ag and take full advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts and also the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet, betonline.ag. Welcome to the show on this Monday, October 22nd. As I told you, it is a World Series Monday, and my poll question of the day, I'm going to open up with this, poll question of the day. I'm not sure if I'll put this poll question actually on my website, dannypicard.com or not, but uh, if I do, make sure you go vote. I'll just ask it for you right here, and you can respond to me on social media, on Twitter, at Danny Picard, also on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Danny Picard Show. Poll question of the day, of the week, poll question of the World Series, how's that? Here it is. Who has done more this year to help the Red Sox get to the World Series? Me or Dustin Pedroia? <laughs> this, you know, this is what people are talking about in the streets. Who has done more to help the Red Sox this year to get to the World Series? Me or Dustin Pedroia? As you know, I had a report during the ALCS that basically got some creep from the Houston Astros organization away from the Red Sox dugout. Now, look, I I say this in jest somewhat, but you can't deny that it might have had an effect on the ALCS. It might have. And as we heard after the series was over and after the Red Sox won that series in Houston uh, in five games, we heard that... Major League Baseball, after my report, they actually sent people down in Houston in games four and five and surrounded the Red Sox dugout, at least with some undercover MLB employees, to make sure that this creep from the Houston Astros organization wasn't lurking and videotaping the Red Sox dugout. So, uh, poll question of the day and of the week and of the World Series, who did more? Who has done more this year to help the Red Sox get to the World Series? Me? Or Dustin Pedroia. How about Eric Gagne? How about this story? I read this on WEI.com from Rob Bradford, who covers the Red Sox. I read this the other day. Eric Gagne 
apparently reached out. I don't know, was it to the Red Sox, to Alex Cora, or to Craig Kimbrell? He saw that Craig Kimbrell was tipping his pitches. <laughs> and and he's he's helping Craig Kimbrell now. And it's Eric Gagne. So maybe if the Red Sox do win the World Series and they're going to have an after party, maybe me and Eric Gagne should host the after party. Maybe we should be your honorary hosts. I'll be your honorary MC. Eric Gagne can just be your honorary, I don't know, celebrity that, that helps host the Red Sox World Series championship party. You got to win it first. I understand that. And it'll begin Tuesday night. Every game is on Fox. So you're going to get Joe Buck. Uh, you know my feelings on Joe Buck doing these games. I love Joe Buck. I think he's the best in the biz. And when you hear, it's one of those things, when you hear Joe Buck's voice, at least this is my take on Joe Buck. When I hear his voice, I know it's a big game. I know it's a huge game. And these are going to be huge games, obviously, in the World Series. The Red Sox and the Dodgers, the last time I talked to you, uh, last week on Friday on this podcast, we didn't know if it was going to be the Brewers or the Dodgers. The Brewers forced the Game 7. That Game 7 was in Milwaukee, but the Dodgers ended up getting the job done. And uh, so now we know. It is L.A., it's the Red Sox, and in the eighth inning of that Game 7 where the Dodgers were winning, what, 5-1, to one, in the eighth inning, I booked my flight for L.A. I am going to Los Angeles, leaving Friday morning, coming back Monday, so I'll be out there for Games 3, 4, and if necessary, Game 5, which those three games will be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, and I do think the way the Red Sox have been playing, I do think there's a possibility they could close this thing out in L.A. I do. I mean, you can't roll your eyes at that comment because they just went into Houston and won three straight. And I think you can make a a pretty strong argument that Houston is a better team than the Dodgers. Houston is a more dangerous team top to bottom than the L.A. Dodgers. You know, the Dodgers do have some holes. Um, Houston, you can make the argument that Houston doesn't have any holes in their lineup, in their rotation, in their bullpen. And the Red Sox still, after losing game one, at home at the ALCS, they win game two. They come back and win game two, and then they win three straight in Houston. So um, it's very realistic that if the Red Sox do win the World Series, they could close it out in L.A., and I would love to be out there for that. I will be out there. Will it be for that? Will they close it out? We'll see, but uh, I'll be at the games, and I'll be providing some coverage for you. I'm still tra- We're still trying to work out what type of coverage because – Podcast One has their studios out in Beverly Hills. You know, the question is, I'm arriving, I'll, I think I'll be, we'll be landing, what, Friday, maybe around 1 o'clock, West Coast time. Um, so, will I be recording something from the Podcast One studio? Will we do something, uh, you know, at the stadium? I don't, will we be doing something from an establishment? You know, a bar or a restaurant in L.A., I don't, I don't know yet. We're trying to figure those details out. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping here, the hope is that we're all going to work together and, and have some special guests for you. We're, we're going to record something out there, I'll tell you that. Um, and I believe I'll be writing some type of column as well, which you probably won't read until uh, maybe Monday for the Metro. But there's, there's a lot going on. Obviously, we're going to get through these first two at Fenway. Tuesday night, Wednesday night, uh, those are the first two games, and all eyes in game one, we, I mean, I think it's going to be Chris Sale versus Clayton Kershaw, right, like, that's, that's your game one World Series matchup, that is awesome, Chris Sale, I think we know Chris Sale's going for the Red Sox, right, Kershaw, at least at, at the time I'm recording this early on Monday morning, October 22nd, uh, I think we're waiting to hear the official word from the Dodgers, but why wouldn't Kershaw start this game? I think is the question. So, Sale Kershaw, game one of the World Series at Fenway. What is going on with Chris Sale? The story over the weekend, and this is what Chris Sale's telling everybody, this is what the Red Sox are telling everybody. You know, Sale went to the hospital during the Astros series, and he couldn't pitch game five, was then pushed back to game six because... He was in the hospital after his game one start, which was not good. His velocity was, you know, started at 89, 90 miles per hour. And, you know, he was kind of pumping it out at 92, 93 later on in that game. I say later on, not much later, because he didn't last too long. Sale only gave up one hit in that game, but he walked four guys and he hit a batter. 
But his velocity being down was very worrisome. And I was stressed out watching it. And it was the first time maybe ever that I was less stressed once Chris Sale was removed from the game, game one of the ALCS at Fenway. Uh, And I was at that game. You know, I, I think the first time ever that I was less stressed about a game once Sale was removed. So uh, I I haven't been feeling good about Sale. It, it had the feel that maybe he emptied the tank against the Yankees in his game one start in the ALDS. And uh, he had the shoulder inflammation stuff for the end of the season. His velocity was down in his last regular season start. He was on the DL on two separate occasions with the same thing, inflammation in the throwing shoulder. Then he spends a night in the hospital, and they're telling us it's a, it was a stomach illness. They're telling us that, you know, this this was something going on in his stomach. And um, he gets pushed back. You know, he, he doesn't end up making a start against, another start against Houston. He doesn't make a second start against Houston because Red Sox closed it out, and David Price was awesome on short rest in Game 5. But now he's going to start Game 1 of the World Series, and the Red Sox are telling us over the weekend that the whole hospital thing and being pushed back in the Houston series, that was about an infection that was caused by a belly button ring. Yeah, this is a real story. I'm not making this up. This is what they said. And, um, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not going to come on here today and start blasting people who, who have belly button rings, but I am going to tell you that I don't believe it. Like, I don't believe it. I'm sorry. I don't believe this. I tweeted out over the weekend once I heard this story that the Red Sox and Chris Sale are basically telling us that his shoulder is all banged up without telling us his shoulder's all banged up still. Right? I mean, that there's no way that's true. There's no way the belly button ring story is true. Because I feel like if the belly, bing, belly button ring story was true, it, they wouldn't be telling us that. Like, why wouldn't you just say, oh, I... I don't know, must have been food poisoning. I don't know, I was feeling terrible. Must have been the flu. Like, really? That's, you're gonna, like, to me, they're almost making a mockery of, of the whole thing. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat confused by it. Cause I, it, like, I try to put myself in their shoes and it's like, well, let's say it really was a belly button ring infection. Shouldn't we get together and say, how, how are we going to address this to the media? Do you really get together and say, how are we going to address this and and all acknowledge in a room like, hey, let's just tell them what happened. It's a belly button ring infection. Like that, <laughs> that that's the outcome of that meeting? I don't think so. No way. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And in fact, you heard me say this the day after we found out about the overnight hospital stay for Chris Sale. And you could call me a conspiracy theorist all you want. And this is not based on any inside information. This is strictly just my opinion. And me calling bullshit where I see it. I don't think it has anything to do with the stomach illness. I think his shoulder's banged up. I do. I think his shoulder's banged up. You go back to that game against the Yankees. He was pulled 90-something pitches. But it was still... He didn't go that deep into the game. And I just... Chris Sale, to me, was a little too happy to come out of that game at that point. Like, he kind of told me he really was digging down deep to battle through something. That was my reaction to it. Because the Chris Sale I know is like, no, 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 Alex, I want to throw 110 pitches in this game against the fucking Yankees in the playoffs. Okay? Okay? That's the Chris Sale I know. And he's kinda, he was a little too happy to come out of that game when he came out. I thought. I thought. And that told me that he was like, damn, I re- we battled through something. We got through it, and we had... Huge success. It told me he was battling something. Hospital stay? The next series? After a game in which he had little to no velocity? Think about it. You're starting a game. It wasn't, th- I mean, it was cold, but it wasn't that cold game one of the ALCS against Houston. It wasn't that cold. Um, Chris Sale all jacked up. He comes out of the gate throwing 89? No location? Oh, it's... And then he's in the hospital, stomach illness, belly button ring infection. Get the fuck out of here. He's got a shoulder injury. He's got inflammation. So, yeah, I am concerned about that. I think 
Everybody should be concerned about that. I think there's going to be a short leash Tuesday night, game one. And uh, I I think maybe the reason why they're going to throw Sale out in game one is because they're going to have Rick Porcello ready to come out, ready early. I assume Rick Porcello will be starting maybe game four. Yeah, he, since we know it's Sale game one, I think they'll go Price game two. I mean, I, I told you on Friday, I would have started Price on, it would have been what? Would it have been normal rest in game one on Tuesday? That's what I would have done. I would have, that's what I would have done. So you pitched, Price pitched Thursday night in game five, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. You pitched Tuesday. That's normal rest. I would have kept rolling with David Price because he's got some type of confidence about himself right now. And, and I would just keep rolling with him. And um, I think that confidence would only build if you told him, hey, you're our game one starter of the World Series. You know, some people say, well, he might not be able to live up to the pressure of that. And I say, well, what are you talking about? You don't, you don't think there was pressure on him in game five in Houston? You know, the people that don't want to give David Price that much credit will try to tell me, well... No, there wasn't pressure because the Red Sox were up 3-1 to one, and it wasn't a must-win game. And, you know, they just if they lose that game, they don't lose the series, there's really no pressure on them. And to that, I say bullshit. There was pressure on him. Think about David Price's postseason career. Right? Think about the fact that he was not good in his previous start. That he was even worse than the one before that against the Yankees. I mean... There's a lot of pressure on David Price every single time he takes them out, and that pressure just builds and builds and builds until he has a start like he did in Game 5. So don't tell me there wasn't any pressure on David Price. There was more pressure than you couldn't... You couldn't even believe how much pressure was on him. So don't give me that argument. And he stepped up against one of the best teams in baseball in their building when they were, you know... When they were playing desperate baseball, the, the Astros at that point, against Justin Verlander. So, come on. There was a lot of pressure there. I, I think they should have gone with David Price in game one, but maybe they're not doing it because they think Sale might only have three or four innings and they're going to set it up Sale and then Porcello game four, and that gives Porcello some time to maybe come out of the pen in game one rather than come out of the pen in game two and start game four. They want to give him a little extra time off in between game one and game four. Maybe that's what they're doing here. But sales going game one. I expect Porcello to be ready. Um, we got to see what happens. Is Stephen Wright going to be on the roster? You know, if they didn't want to put Eduardo Rodriguez on the roster, I could understand it. And again, I, but at the time that I'm recording this, I don't know what they're going to do yet with that. But Stephen Wright was... Apparently on the mound over the weekend at Fenway, and he was doing some work, and he was taking uh, ground balls, you know, in the infield as a pitcher. So um, I, I think he's he's trying to prove to them that he is ready. It's just now on the organization and the manager, what type of roster moves are they going to make there? Uh, so, but, but getting back to the starting rotation, sale game one. I think they'll go price game two on Wednesday night. They'll have Thursday off. Game three is going to be Friday night in L.A. I expect Nathan Avaldi to be pitching in that game. Nathan Avaldi, who's been great, absolutely phenomenal. You know, don't don't start getting into, you know, his future and and oh, he, don't don't get into that stuff right now with him. Yeah, I know people want to get into David Price's future as well. Uh, you know what? We got so much time to talk about that. We, let's focus on this series. What these guys are going to give you right now, Nathan Evaldi right now is giving you something that I didn't expect. Now, I didn't say the Evaldi move was a bad move when they brought him in. In fact, what I did tell you about Evaldi when, when they went out and acquired him, you know, because some people wanted to crush Dave Dombrowski for not going out and getting the bullpen guy, you know, not going out and getting the guy in the bullpen. Well, I told you in the postseason, you get creative with your bullpen and you might throw a starter or two back there to come into games. And we saw Evaldi come in. In the last game, out of the bullpen as well. And he's doing it in the rotation. So I expect Evaldi in game three and then Porcello in game four on Saturday night in L.A. Sunday night, if necessary, game five in Los Angeles, which I expect uh, would then be sale again. Monday off, if necessary, game six. The following Tuesday, um, I assume that would be David Price. And then game seven, if necessary, at Fenway. 
Game six and seven are both at Fenway. Game seven, if necessary, at Fenway. Halloween. October 31st, next Wednesday. I assume Nathan Avaldi gets that start with all hands on deck. Everybody available out of the pen, including Sale. Maybe even Price uh, a day later. But Porcello, Avaldi, all hands on deck if you get to that game. That would be wild. Game seven, Dodgers, Red Sox at Fenway at the World Series. I don't know it's going to get to that point. I do think the Red Sox have a very good chance to close this out in L.A. And in fact, that is my prediction. Red Sox in five. I think on Sunday night, if you have a chance to get to Los Angeles, um, I, I think I think that's going to be a good one. And I think that's going to be a good party in L.A. Sunday night. That, that's what I think. I think. I think that's going to be a nice little party to be at Sunday night in L.A. That's my prediction, Red Sox in five. The, you know, the other question outside of the pitching and Chris Sale and his health and where you put him and obviously where you put Price in the rotation. The, the, the other big question is when you do get to L.A., obviously you lose the D.H. What do you do with your D.H.? J.D. Martinez, because he has to be in the lineup, obviously. And he's an outfielder. That's, that's what J.D. Martinez is an outfielder and a D.H., nothing else. He's never played first. He's never played the infield. He's a DH and an outfielder. So you lose the DH in L.A. What are you doing with J.D. Martinez? Well, you put him somewhere. But if you put him in the outfield, who are you taking out? You know, I think if Jackie Bradley Jr. was struggling at the plate, which is probably what a lot of people thought was going to happen, if Jackie Bradley Jr. was struggling at the plate, this would be an easier decision, right? You're moving Mookie to center field. I'm putting J.D. in right, or however you want to play. Keep Mookie in right, Ben Attendi in center, J.D. in left. I, but the problem with that is Jackie Bradley Jr. is the ALCS MVP, and for a reason, because he's swinging a hot bat right now, and he's swinging a hot bat in the biggest of spots. So uh, he's swinging with power. He's driving guys in, and in big moments, clutch situations, you can't take Jackie Bradley Jr. out of the lineup either. So, to me, I look at the outfield, I'm like, I don't want to mess with that. Now, Mookie Betts has been taking ground balls at second base. They tell us that this is something he does somewhat regularly. Now, obviously, there's a different twist with those somewhat regular ground balls at second base in these workouts. Uh, the twist is that when you lose a DH and you do want to put... J.D. Martinez in the outfield, and you don't want to take any of those outfielders, Ben Attendee, Bradley Jr., or Betts out of the lineup, the move would be to put Mookie Betts at second base because, I mean, he came into the Red Sox organization as a second baseman, right? He's played second base. So this seems to be the obvious move when talking about guys' backgrounds, where have they played, how could you get creative? Mookie at second base, you know, you don't have... That stud second baseman, you don't have that name in Dustin Pedroia, who's your everyday second baseman. You know, you got Kinsler, uh, you're working in Holt, you could put uh, Nunez there, but but you could just put Mookie there at second base when you're in L.A. and you lose a DH. A lot of people going to be saying that. I'm not saying that. I want to keep Mookie in right field. I don't want to mess with that. Mookie Betts, think about how many runs he's saved the Red Sox in the outfield. I don't want to touch that outfield right now. So I'm sticking on my guns on my take on what you do with J.D. Martinez, and I told you on Friday, J.D. Martinez needs to play first base in L.A. He needs to. Now, you'll tell me, well, he's never played first. Why Why would you do that? I'll tell you, well, I mean, look, Hanley Ramirez jumped to first base. You put Hanley Ramirez in the outfield for a full season in this organization. Then you moved him to first base. If Hanley Ramirez can play first, if you can take someone like Hanley Ramirez and have him play in all these different crazy positions, why can't you put J.D. Martinez at first base? Why can't you do it? To me, the only reason you would do it is if he says, I don't want to do it. And if he's saying, I don't want to do it, to me, that's a problem. I don't know if he's saying that, but J.D. Martinez needs to play first base. Don't give me the Mitch Moreland or Steve Pierce. No, please. Please. J.D. Martinez, to me, the obvious move is he should be playing first base. Then you don't have to touch the outfield. Okay? 
And if you, your argument is, well, J.D.'s never played the infield before. You know, maybe you're saying, well, at least Hanley's played in the infield. He knows how to take ground balls. He knows how to scoop those balls up. I just look at it, and I'm like, well, J.D. Martinez is a major league baseball player. Okay? He's an athlete. It's not like he's been a D.H. his entire life. I mean, he's been, he's played the field. He's played the outfield, but he's played the field. He's an athlete. He's a pro athlete. He can't play first base for two games, maybe three. And again, you got to, David Ortiz, Big Poppy played first base. I know you, I know what you're saying. Well, yeah, but he was a first baseman, right? He kind of was a first baseman before he came to, re- listen, Big Poppy, first base. Come on now. J.D. Martinez can't do that for two games, maybe three. He can't. He can, and he should, because then you you don't have to touch the outfield. You don't have to touch the outfield. You know, maybe this is a different conversation if you play the first two games. Jackie Bradley Jr. is 0 for 9 with eight strikeouts, um, and the bats disappeared, right? Then maybe it's a different conversation at that point. Or maybe you, you put J.D. Martinez at first base in game three, Jackie Bradley Jr. has a tough game in L.A. And, you know, he's 0 for 14 with 13 strikeouts in the first three games. Then maybe you do Mookie at second base, J.D. in the outfield with Bradley Jr. out of the lineup in game game four. Right? Yeah, maybe we should let the series play out. But I'm telling you, we'll just how about game three? J.D. Martinez should play first base. He should. I don't want to touch the outfield. I really don't. I... I think if you stop, I think if you start putting outfielders at second base, even though they've played second base before, I think you're overthinking everything. I think you're overthinking this because at that point you're saying, "Well, JD's never played first base." Well, you have to factor in just how good this outfield is, and and how many runs they've saved. The Red Sox, or you know, how many runs that they have saved in the ALCS, ALDS. I don't want to touch the outfield. So I would keep Mookie in right. I'd keep Jackie Bradley in center. I'd keep Ben Attendee in left. I would have J.D. Martinez playing first base in Los Angeles. I've thought about it. People have tried to argue with me. Oh, Mookie's played second base before. J.D.'s never played first. I'd say, so what? So what? Crazier things have been done. Crazier things that have been done. And even though Hanley Ramirez was an infielder by trade, I mean, you've done crazy things with Hanley Ramirez. And it's worked out. And if it works out with someone like Hanley, you know J.D. Martinez. We hear all the stories about just how, uh, you know, just how locked in this guy is at making sure he gets it right. How much he studies, how much film he watches, the notes that he takes. This guy is all in. Put him at first base. He'll be fine. And then you don't have to touch the outfield. J.D. Martinez should be playing first. I don't know that they're going to do it. I don't. The other thing that I don't know they're going to do is especially if it's Kershaw game one for the Dodgers, are we seeing Devis at third base? And I, I've been telling you all playoffs long, I don't understand why you even consider taking Rafael Devis out of the lineup, ever, even against the tough lefty. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Rafael Devis is a fearless kid. He has no fear whatsoever at the plate against the lefty, against the righty. It doesn't matter. You saw the home run he hit against Verland in Game 5. Rafael Devers is a stud. He's the type of player. It shouldn't matter the matchup. He doesn't come out of the lineup. He stays at third base. And he also hits in the middle. You want to put Devers at cleanup? Go ahead. I'm all in on that. How many other teams around the league do you see these young kids step up in the postseason and be clutch? Devers is that kid. Don't take him out for Nunez. What, because it's a lefty-righty matchup that you like? You're overthinking it. You're overthinking it. That's that is the you know people complain about Major League Baseball and the amount of time that some of these games take and all the moves that are made. You know these games last forever because they're making so many fucking moves. Stop. You know, take it easy. Calm down. Don't overthink it. Rafael Devers is a stud. The kid has no fear whatsoever. He's not scared of any moment. He wants that moment. And he's thrived in those big moments. Keep him in the lineup. And hit him clean up or fifth if you want. That's what you should be doing. Don't overthink it. I don't know if they're going to do it. But that's what they should do. Keep Devis in the lineup. So Devis in the lineup. 
and JD at first base when they get to LA. That's what I want. That's what I want. Uh, we'll we'll see what they do with it. But that's a little breakdown of the World Series. I got Red Sox in five. I'll be in LA, and um, I'll be in here Thursday. We'll g- I'll give you a podcast with picks, picks, and all that. Uh, but I'm leaving Friday, and and we'll give you some content when I do get out there uh, to Los Angeles as well. But um, game one Tuesday night at Fenway. I'll break down games one and two on Thursday's podcast, which will be the off day and the travel day for those guys. So uh, that's that's pretty much it. That's the World Series in a nutshell. I got Red Sox in five, and and I I look forward to the party. I look forward to maybe you know. Hoisting the trophy, for crying out loud. <laughs> uh, hey, just, people are telling me they think I've done more for this Red Sox team this year than Dustin Pedroia. And, I mean, that's just what people are telling me. And, uh, you know, who's Pedroia going to root for, by the way? Do we know that? <laughs> uh, if you don't get that joke, Manny Machado, who is just, you know, it, 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 this is a kid who doesn't get it. You talk about... Pro athletes that don't get it, Manny Machado does not get it. He doesn't get it. He has all the talent in the world. Manny Machado has all the talent in the world, but he doesn't get it. He doesn't. Um, What did he say last? Was it last series? He didn't hustle down the line. Somebody asked him. He said, well, I'm not. This is what this is actually a direct quote. He says, well, I'm not Johnny Hustle or anything. (laughs) It's like that's the dude. That's the wrong thing to be saying. You could maybe you're not, and obviously we know you're not, because you just told us. But don't tell us. Don't say that to anyone. He's gonna get paid. I, I just don't know if that's gonna be a good contract for somebody. Um, I, I won't lie. I did laugh at him rounding first after he dropped down a bunt in Game Seven, which ended up resulting he scored a run and a two-run home run. Was it was it Bellinger? <laughs> Machado drops down a bunt down the third baseline. Just for a bunt single, and then he, you know, he uh, gave a little gave a little grab to the to the fans in Milwaukee, right? Just grabbed his junk, <laughs> and then he was doing a little DX suck it with with Puig, I think, at one point. So look, he's he's a punk. Machado's a punk, and he's the reason that Dustin Pedroia isn't going to be playing in this World Series. Pedroia's got the knee injury. It's an injury that came as a result of last season, early in the season, when Machado was playing for Baltimore, and he went hard sliding into second base. You know, an unnecessary hard slide. We overslid the bag, took Pedroia's knee out. You know, the Red Sox end up uh, retaliating, but Pedroia, <laughs> Matt Bonds threw at Machado's head. Like, what was it? It wasn't even the next game. It was like two games later, right? And and Pedroia's going, Pedroia's calling his own team out. I'll never get that image and that video out of my head where Pedroia is yelling over to Machado in the Orioles' dugout, and Pedroia's on the top step, and he's yelling, that's bullshit, that's not me, that's them, that's not me, that's him, oh, that's them. Calling his, throwing his own team under the bus. Throwing his own team under the bus. I've never seen anything like that, and I don't think we ever will. I don't think we ever will. Unbelievable. And he and after the game, he says, I love Manny Machado. That's what Pedroia said. I love Manny Machado. This is the same Manny Machado that had that dirty play in the Brewers series. I mean, come on. You love Manny Machado? What is going on with that? Who's Pedroia gonna be rooting for in this one? Is is the big maybe the that should be the poll question of the day. Uh, because it's it's actually maybe not even a question who has helped the Red Sox more this year to get to the World Series, me or Dustin Pedroia? I, I don't even know if it's up for debate, the, the answer to that question. Uh, look, what what happens to Pedroia after that? Red Sox win the World Series? What if they won the World Series? What are you doing with Pedroia? I mean, what are you doing there? Where, do you, where does Pedroia stand with this organization? I... I mean, they'll praise him. They're like, oh, he's been there every step of the way, you know. He... But he will he be a storyline? Maybe not. And maybe it'll come up with the Machado thing. It, it, it probably should. Fox should do something on that. I don't know that they will, but they should. Anyways, 
That's a little preview of the World Series as we get set Tuesday night at Fenway. Um, Also, we have our eyes on the NFL. Week 7 will conclude on this Monday night with Atlanta hosting the Giants. Uh, The Falcons a four-point favorite at home. I think it's it's desperate times for both of these teams, right? Both of these teams desperate. They're looking up at other teams in their divisions, in their respective divisions. But, I mean, how many times? What's the over-under tonight? Or on the if you're listening to this on Tuesday, uh, on the Monday night game, what's the over-under on how many times they play the Odell Beckham Jr. clip about how he doesn't like water? It's, this is a real story, too. We got a couple wacky storylines over the weekend. Chris Sale... A belly button ring infection, which is not true, in my opinion. And then you got this story, which unfortunately, I think might be true. I might, I, I think, I think Odell Beckham Jr. might be actually telling us the truth when he says he doesn't like water. So Odell Beckham Jr. He's had to get the IV, I guess, during games this season, and uh, he tells the media, and the video's out there, the audio's out there. He tells the media that. He doesn't like to drink water. He doesn't like the squishiness of how it feels. I I think he's telling the truth. But this is going to go down. This goes down as one of the dumbest things you will ever hear a human being say. I don't like water. I don't like water, he says. Again, real life quote from a real life human being in Odell Beckham Jr. He does not like water. Now, there's a beef that Odell Beckham Jr. has with Eli Manning, that we are aware of that beef. And I have told you, in that beef between Odell Beckham Jr. and Eli Manning, I've told you that I take Odell Beckham Jr.'s side. And that's because I think Eli Manning is horrible. And I do think it's his fault. I, think he's, I don't think he's a good QB. I think his time is up. And I think there was a reason why he got benched last year. I said it at the time. I'm sticking to my guns there. And I think Eli Manning is just a horrible quarterback right now. And I think someone like Odell Beckham Jr., I I think he is pissed off about it. And he should be. I've taken Odell Beckham Jr.'s side. But I would like other people to take Odell Beckham Jr.'s side in that beef as well. Here's the problem. You're not going to get people on your side in any beef with Eli Manning if you start telling people you don't like water. (laughs) Like, Like... if I'm, if I'm Odell Beckham Jr.'s agent and Odell Beckham comes to me, he's like, oh, how are we going to get people on my side if I start calling out this quarterback? You know, it's the Manning family. It's the royal family in the NFL. If, I mean, if I'm Odell Beckham Jr.'s agent, I, I'd probably say to him, well, listen, I mean, unless you don't come out and say something idiotic like you don't enjoy H2O, then I don't, I don't think anybody by the end of the season is going to take Eli Manning's side. <laughs> and then Odell Beckham Jr. comes out and says he doesn't like H2O. What is, I don't, I, I just, I'm rattled by it. You can't say that. Even if you really don't like water, you can't tell people that. It's dumb. It's one of the dumbest things you'll ever hear a human being say. But Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't like water. And it's incredible, actually. So, we'll move on. I don't know how many times you're going to play that clip on Monday Night Football. But uh, we'll move on. But that's when, that's how Week 7 will conclude. Uh, we had a lot going on this weekend. Locally, the local story is Patriots, obviously. They go into Chicago, and they beat the Bears. Uh, I'll get to that, a little bit more of that in just a minute. But taking a look at, at the entire week in the NFL, my picks for Week 7, I went 3-2 and two with Picks Picks as part of the Podcast 1 Sportsnet Challenge. 3-2 and two isn't really good enough in the point-based system. Uh, the good thing is that I got my lock of the week right, the Rams over San Francisco. I assume a lot of people had the Rams over San Fran with their lock of the week. So I don't know how many points I actually gained in the Podcast 1 Sportsnet Challenge. We just picked straight-up winners. Uh, those are the rules. And we're supposed to just pick from Sunday's games. Some people have been cheating, and they've been picking you know, the Monday or the Thursday game if they're easy picks. I don't do that. I play by the rules. And uh, I just picked the Sunday games. I took the Rams as my lock. They beat San Fran. They remain undefeated now at 7-0. The only undefeated team in the NFL. What else did I get right? Uh, I got Kansas City right over Cincy on Sunday Night Football. 
The Chiefs put up 45 on the Bengals in their bounce-back game. So Kansas City beat Cincy. Get that right. New Orleans beat Baltimore. Just barely. Baltimore. Justin Tucker, he missed the extra point. And that allowed New Orleans to win the game by one. So New Orleans wins, which means I win. That's the first time Drew Brees has beat Baltimore in his career. Uh, So those are the games I got right. The Rams over San Fran, Kansas City over Cincinnati, and New Orleans over Baltimore. The games I got wrong, Philly over Carolina. Philly could not hold on at home. you got to hold on. You cannot turn the ball over the way they turn the ball over late. If you're Philly in your own building against the beatable Panthers team, Carolina comes back, Carolina wins the game, and uh, people in Philadelphia somewhat confused because this is their championship team here. The defending, the reigning champs with a tough finish against Carolina. So I get Philly wrong. And then my other loss was Jacksonville over Houston. I got that wrong as well. The Jaguars, what are they doing? Um, I have no idea what's going on with them. I did tell you coming into the season that I think Jacksonville was going to be brought down to earth a little bit. But after they beat the Patriots, I didn't think things would be going like this for them. I didn't think things would be going like this for the Jaguars after they beat the Pats, but it's it's looking like that was their Super Bowl, and then they decided to have their Super Bowl hangover the rest of the regular season. The Jaguars. Blake Bortles gets benched in that one. Houston wins. So my two losses, Philly and Jacksonville, 3-2 and in Week 7. I'm now 22-13 and on the season with my picks. So, not a bad record, but I do need to step it up and be at least 4-1 and one every week if I want to get back to the top of the mountain in the Podcast One Sportsnet Challenge. You can check out the standings yourself at podcast1sportsnet.com. Uh, my DraftKings Gotta Have Him Play for Week 7 was also very good. I say also because my Week 6... DraftKings got to have him play was good with Matt Ryan last week. This week, I kept it rolling. I gave you Javis Landry. I said, you got to have Javis Landry in your lineup. Wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns. This didn't look good early, but it ended up, at least for the Javis Landry DFS owners, it ended up, well, 25 points for Landry. The Browns lose their game. Uh, You know, Cleveland, I always tell you, they're just going to Cleveland. They lost in OT, another overtime game for Cleveland. Uh, Tampa Bay wins 26-23, but Javis Landry at 25 DF- DFS DraftKings points. 10 catches for 97 yards in a TD. So I gave you a good one there. Uh, so I had a decent week of picks. I'll be making more on Thursday's show, so make sure you tune in for that. Uh, the top storylines, though, nationally, kind of rank them a little bit here. I think number one is Kansas City and their bounce back win. They lose to the Patriots last week on Sunday Night Football. They get flexed into Sunday Night Football for a second straight week, and they put up 45 on the Bengals. They're now 6-1. and one. And I look at Kansas City's schedule. This is another reason why I think they're a top story. Because they, they might finish 14-2. and two. They're 6-1 now. They play Denver in KC. They already beat Denver in Denver. Then they play in Cleveland. They should win both of those games. We're looking at 8-1. and one. They play Arizona at home. They'll beat Arizona. 9-1. and one. Then they play the Rams in Week 11 on November 19th, Monday Night Football, at home against the Rams. That's going to be a huge game. Is that a Super Bowl preview? Maybe. Monday night, November 19th, Week 11. Patriots have to buy that week. Monday Night Football, Kansas City hosts the Rams. Maybe that'll be a loss for KC. Maybe that'll be their only loss the rest of the way after losing to the Patriots. Because after that, they're in Oakland. They should beat Oakland. Then they're at home against Baltimore. That'll be a tough one, but they should beat Baltimore still. The Chargers, a divisional game, but it's at home. It's at home. They already beat the Chargers in week one in, in L.A. And then in Seattle, that could be a tough one too. But you'll have to, we'll have to see where Seattle is at that point. I don't know. Seattle might be down and out and eliminated by the second last week of the regular season. That is a Sunday night game. Depending on how good Seattle is, maybe that get flexed out for another game. But um, it's in Seattle. Tough place to play. Not a guaranteed win in Seattle, but they should do it. And then at home against the Raiders to finish out the regular season. Want to give them one more loss? I mean, that's how good Kansas City is, right? 14-2? and two? And if they go 14-2, and two, then you got to look at, well, 
is at the one seed locked up. Here's the deal. Right now, the New England Patriots, which is another top storyline, even nationally, not just locally. The Patriots, they win in Chicago, 38-31. It's their fourth straight win. Patriots are now 5-2. and two. You look at Miami losing to Detroit, so now the Patriots have sole possession of first place in the AFC East. You get the Hail Mary at the end of that game. All right. Crazy. <laughs> you know, crazy how that worked out. But he didn't get in the end zone. Patriots win. First place. They're 5-2. and two. Can the Patriots run the table? Because if they run the table and Kansas City only loses one moving forward, that means they'll both finish 14-2. and two. And if they both finish 14-2, and two, the Patriots would be the one seed because they own the tiebreaker, which is head-to-head. The Patriots beat Kansas City in week number six. So that's why that, that win was so big. That's why that win was so big. Can the Patriots run the table? They're 5-2 and two now. They go to Buffalo on Monday night next week. Patriots open as a 13-point favorite in Buffalo. Then they return home to face Green Bay. Packers do not look like the gunsling. They don't look like a championship team, Green Bay, right now. They don't. They don't. That's a very winnable game at home against Green Bay. Then you go to Tennessee in Week 10. That could be a tough game. Though, you know, if Mike Vrabel wants to keep trying to go for two instead of tying games, and he wants to lose that way like he lost in London. He lost in London to the Chargers 2019. Titans lose that game because they get a touchdown late. They decide to go for two, and they don't get it. And instead of tying it, they lose. You know, you could say that's ballsy if it works. If it works, everybody would be saying, oh, what a ballsy move. Credit Mike Vrabel. We had a situation like this, I think it was last year, with Oakland, right? Early in the season. Was it against New Orleans? Was it in New Orleans? The Raiders in New Orleans. They went for two at the end of the game. And they ended up getting it and winning the game with it. And everybody was like, oh, the Raiders, you know, Del Rio, he's a, he's a genius. And, and it's a ballsy move. I remember what I told you the day after that game. I sat here and told you on this show that, yeah, it was ballsy, but I still think it was stupid. I still think it was stupid. It was ballsy because it worked fine, but it's stupid still. Even though you win, it's stupid. Tie the game. Tie the game. Because you now you lose, and that's how you lose? Stupid! That's stupid. If Tennessee's going to be that stupid in Week 10, that's a guaranteed win for the Patriots. Even if it's in Tennessee. Guaranteed. But look, you got some Titans that'll be jacked up for that. That might be their Super Bowl, so that might be tough. Right? Malcolm Butler, Deion Lewis. You look at Vrabel. I mean, that might be their Super Bowl. So maybe they won't be stupid in that game. I don't know. Then Patriots get a bye in Week 11. Then you go to the Jets. At home against Minnesota, that's going to be tough against Minnesota. But I, because it's at home, it's more winnable. Then you go to Miami. Then to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh? Huh? Will Le'Veon Bell be playing by then? And, you know, you got the trade deadline coming up, so where will he be? We'll see. And then at home to close it out against Buffalo, and then at home against the Jets. I mean, it's not impossible for the Patriots to, to, to win out. I honestly, and look, they got issues. Patriots got issues. You want to go over this game a little bit? Sony Michelle injured. They're saying it might not be serious, that knee injury. He got twisted up. Uh, Gronk did not play. He's dealing now with a back injury. That could just be them being overly cautious, though, right? You hope. But you know what? I'll say it. Patriots have won without Gronk before. I think they can do it again. You see Josh Gordon, four catches, 100 yards. Julian Edelman's back. They still get James White. Um, You know, you're getting some protection up front. Don't forget Chris Hogan. This stuff has opened up some spots for him. Patriots offense, not concerned about it, even without Gronk. Not concerned about it. Even without Sony Michelle, not concerned about it. Sorry, I'm not. It's it's the defense. It's the Patriots defense. I'm, you know, the Patriots defense have, have issues. They allowed 31 points to the Bears in Chicago. It, it's not it's not necessarily the 31 points. It, it's how some of those 31 points came. It's infuriating to watch Mitch Trubisky run all over them like he was Barry Sanders in his prime infuriating to watch. You got Mitch Trubisky going, 
hey, I'm not only am I going to run with the football on you, but when I do get into open space and I do gain my 20 yards and I start to take it up the left sideline, I'm not going to go out of bounds. I'm not going to, I get three guys surrounding me. I'm not going to go out of bounds and I'm not going to slide. I'm going to cut in the middle with a juke move that you see in Madden 19 and I'm going to take it down inside the five yard line on you. That's what Mitch Trubisky was doing. Like he was Barry fucking Sanders. That's infuriating. Defense, Patriots defense got issues. Now, Patriots defense had two interceptions in this game, okay? They should have, here's the problem with that though. They should have had six interceptions. They dropped a couple, um, which would have prevented points. And you got to catch those. You Look, you're a defensive back in this league. You got a ball. Well, who was it? Landon Roberts, and then I think Stephon Gilmore. I mean, Stephon Gilmore is great. I can only criticize him so much. He's been phenomenal this year. But they got to catch those balls. And there's a couple other ones they should have had. Patriots had two interceptions. Great. But they should have had six. They should have had six. And they probably, at that point, would have only allowed maybe 17 points. Then we would be singing a different tune about this Patriots defense. But uh, they let up 31 points. Trubisky's running all over him like Barry Sanders in his prime. And it was infuriating to watch. So they do have defensive issues. But even with those issues, I'm telling you right now, I look at the schedule and I say, you know, the Green Bay game doesn't look as tough. And and look, the good things about those Green Bay-Minnesota games, they're at home. I do think maybe the toughest game on the schedule is going to be at Tennessee in Week 10. I think that's the toughest game remaining. Um, Tennessee has some big wins this year. That's going to be their Super Bowl, much like the Jacksonville game was Jacksonville's Super Bowl. So that's, you know, you want to talk about stories in the NFL? That's one. Kansas City, you know, they might finish 14-2. and They're that good. The Patriots, if they want to get the one seed, they're going to have to finish 14-2, and which means they're going to have to win out. Is that impossible? Even with their issues? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. They get some tough ones, but I don't think it's impossible. I really don't. And the more Josh Gordon is in the mix here, the more you can tell Tom Brady loves him, the more you can tell the Patriots love him. And, uh, you know, he's not just good running his routes and catching the football, but his runs after the catch, that one he had over the middle yesterday with that little juke move, you know, he, he, he lets the feet go a little bit and the guy from behind can't take him down and then he makes the juke. Josh Gordon's going to be filthy. So uh, the Patriots are just, they're only getting better offensively, which is kind of scary, right? Kind of scary. It's the defense that needs to improve. But it's not impossible that the Patriots win out. It'll be tough, but not impossible. Now the Pats go to Buffalo Monday night. I told you, they're an early 13-point favorite on the road. The Bills just got run over by the Colts, 37-5. Bills are no good. And their quarterback, Josh Allen's hurt. He's got an elbow injury, a UCL injury in his throwing elbow. I don't think he'll be playing in this one. Derek Anderson, the veteran QB, he'll probably be playing again for Buffalo. They could use Tyrod Taylor right now, huh? Bills? Right? They could use Tyrod Taylor. But that's where we stand with the Patriots. Uh, And that is one of the top storylines with Kansas City. Another top storyline is Houston. Houston. The Houston Texans win in Jacksonville, as I already told you. But Houston is now 4-3. and And they're in first place, sole possession of first place in the AFC South after losing their first three games. Houston started 0-3. They've won four straight. Hasn't always looked pretty for them. But all of a sudden, here they here they are now in first place. And, uh, you know, the Titans obviously helped them out by losing to London. Excuse me, losing in London to the Chargers 2019. Um, they might as well, yeah, they lose to London. They might as well move the Chargers to London, right? Will that be the team that goes to London? Right, so the Titans lost to the London Chargers. But, um, you know, Houston right now is not even playing great football, and they're in first place in that division at 4-3, and three, sole possession. I think that's a big storyline because I do think at some point, if Houston does turn it on, they have the talent to be one of the best teams. What's the cream of the crop now in the AFC? Kansas City, New England. Can we throw Pittsburgh in there still? (sighs) Well, if you don't throw Pittsburgh in there, I think Houston could be in there at some point. They could. Now, obviously, you got to win your division. So being four and three, 
after starting 0-3 and seeing the other teams around you choke is only helping give Houston some more time to get to be the team that I think they can be. Right? So I think that because of that, I think Houston's the top storyline. I mean, Deshaun Watson, he didn't fly with the team. What's he got? A rib injury uh, or something? A chest injury? And they thought the air pressure would be no good for that injury. So <laughs> they made him take a bus. What was it? A 13-hour trip? Made him take a bus. Uh, and Houston, go, Houston wins in Jacksonville. So that's a big story there. And where they stand now at the top of their division. Another top story, I think, is Washington. Washington is in first place in the NFC East at 4-2. and two. They beat the Dallas Cowboys. Adrian Peterson, you know, as he rediscovered the fountain of youth, maybe 100 yards rushing for Adrian Peterson, and Alex Smith didn't throw an interception. Look, the blueprint for the Redskins is don't turn the ball over, don't throw interceptions. Alex Smith isn't going to do that, and he's a veteran QB, and have Adrian Peterson run for 100 yards a game. And so... I told you going into the year that Washington was going to win this division. And here they are now atop the division, sole possession of first place in the NFC East at 4-2. and two. And they're doing it with Adrian Peterson. They're doing it with Alex Smith protecting the football. And uh, some solid D. Washington is a team to look out for. I still think they're going to win that division. And they're a top story because of what they're doing at 4-2. and two. And then, of course, you got the only undefeated team at the Rams. But what... You know, the Rams are 7-0. What do you really want to say about the Rams? Right? What do you want to say about them? Um, they're the unstoppable force to this point. You know, the Chiefs are close to being the unstoppable force, but they got stopped by the Patriots. In the standings, and even on the score sheet, and even using the eye test, watching the Rams, they're the best team in football at 7-0. Once again, they put up over 30 points. Over 38 points. What did they score? 39, I think, against San Fran. Uh, they got a great defense. The Rams are the cream of the crop in the NFL. And uh, they prove it once again, taking care of business against teams that they should take care of business against. I mean, this is a league where you don't always see that with some of the best teams. Right? You don't always see that. You see them sleep on, on a team like San Fran, maybe. The Rams are not doing that. And uh, they're a scary team because of it. And in week eight, next week, they're actually... Already a nine-point favorite. The Rams are a nine-point favorite at home against the Green Bay Packers. And uh, in the Aaron Rodgers era for Green Bay, uh, the Packers have never been a nine-point dog. It's never been that high, as far as I know. So um, that just goes to, I mean, I I think it says something about what the Packers are right now. But but more than anything, maybe what the Rams are right now. Rams, a nine-point favorite at home against the Green Bay Packers in week eight. And uh, I don't know. nine. Po- I, look, it's high. Nine points is high. Will I pick it for week eight? You're going to have to tune in Thursday and find out. But uh, before I do move on, I got to tell you, the shoulda, coulda, woulda, producer Pete is not here today, but he did give me his shoulda, coulda, woulda. Every Monday, I give you, or Pete gives me, a bet that I should have made over the weekend. And it's a segment we call Shoulda, Coulda, Woulda. And it's presented by CrossFit 617. Schedule a free intro class today at CrossFit617.com. And tell them I sent you to get 20% off your first month. CrossFit617.com. And Pete says, he texted me this this morning. He says that I should have taken the Patriots minus one in Chicago. That's what he says. Said I should have taken the Patriots as a one-point favorite in Chicago. The Pats won. They obviously covered. Um, but, you know, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, and it looks good now. But I did think it was going to be a tough game. And I just wanted to stay away because it was in Chicago. If it was at Gillette, you know, I think it would have been more than minus one. You know, the Patriots would have been a higher favorite. But I probably still would have taken the Patriots at home. But in Chicago, I don't know, it just seemed like a tough place to me with that defense. It's just Khalil Mack's banged up, right? And I knew Khalil Mack was banged up, but I still looked at it and thought, eh, I'm going to stay away. Pete tells me I should have taken the Pats. I should have taken the Pats minus one. And uh, that's the shoulda, coulda, woulda for week seven 
in the NFL, presented by CrossFit 617. Again, schedule a free class today at CrossFit617.com and tell him I sent you to get 20% off your first month. So I thought he was going to tell me with my lock of the week to take the Rams, you know, with the spread. But he didn't. Tell me to take the Pats. Tell me I should have taken the Pats. Minus one. That's the shoulda, coulda, woulda. So that is week seven. I will get my week eight picks on Thursday. But uh, wrapping up the NFL stuff and just closing out the show here with a quick thought on, I told you that fight in the NBA. And it was between the Lakers and the Rockets. I'm sure you've seen the video by now. Chris Paul, Rajon Rondo, they're face-to-face under the basket. And it appears that Rondo maybe spits on Chris Paul a little bit. I don't, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like he hucked a loogie in his face. But you, when you really dig into the video, when you really zoom into the video, you can see some moisture coming out of Rondo's mouth. Now, I think the biggest part about the spit accusation was that Chris, it was the way Chris Paul wiped his face and the way he reacted. Like, would Chris Paul react the way he did to Rondo if Rondo didn't? Spit in his face? You get what I'm saying? So I'm actually going to believe Chris Paul and the accusation that maybe Rondo gave a little little spit into the face. Well, it wasn't like he hucked a loogie at him. You know? Didn't want to make it too noticeable, but did enough to where he would piss off Chris Paul. Chris Paul got pissed off, puts a finger in Rondo's face, poke, starts like poking him in the eye, and that's where Rondo comes up with the left. You know? Which was a tough left. Tough left. Um, Chris Paul took the left, but it wasn't a very hard left. It was a haymaker. Uh, I didn't think he really clenched the fist too hard. I thought he kind of came up light on the f- light with the fist. Wasn't a, I didn't think it was a great punch. It was a punch, though. Sometimes in these things, you don't see punches. You see the, oh, hold me back, hold me back. And then they start throwing punches when everyone's holding them back. Rondo didn't do that. He threw the punch. Didn't knock him out. The worst punch came from Brandon Ingram, who came in with sort of a, you know, try to suck a punch. I think he tried to hit Chris Paul. No good. And the suspensions show that the NBA feels the same way. Here are the suspensions here. Brandon Ingram's going to be suspended four games for a sucker punch. Rondo suspended three games for the spit. Chris Paul suspended two games for what? What are they saying there? Just the reaction? Um, so there you go. Those are the suspensions. Hey, listen. I'm not tell- I'm not condoning spitting in people's faces, but if you're a Lakers fan, I think you got to kind of love what happened there. Because... You know, you're going to get people picking Golden State, you know, for good reason. You're going to get people picking Houston for good reason. Uh, you might even get people picking Oklahoma City over the Lakers out, out west. The Lakers got LeBron. You know, I don't think they're as good as Golden State. I don't know if they're as good as Houston, but it's a lot closer with Houston than it is Golden State, in my opinion. But here's the deal. You're going to have to beat Houston if you want to get to Golden State. I honestly believe that's the way it's going to go down. So you're going to need to – you're not – look, on paper right now, they're not as good as Houston. Could they end up being if they make some moves at the deadline, the Lakers? Maybe. And I'll, they got LeBron. So you, can't, you couldn't rule them out in a, in a playoff series against the Rockets. But if you're a Lakers fan, you got to look at this and go – Right now, you're not as good as Houston. Why not get in their head? Why not piss them off? Why not go into a game against the Rockets and say, we're going to get under your skin? Why not? I'm not condoning spitting in guys' faces, but I will tell you this. If I'm a Lakers fan today, I'm pleasantly, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with what went down. I'm almost giddy with excitement, actually, if I'm a Lakers fan. Because... You know, you're getting in there. You're getting in Houston's head. Chris Paul's head. Going to get in James Harden's head. Who else's head you want to get in? Carmelo? He's already in his own head. He's pissed off he's coming off the bench. So, I mean, uh, 
maybe that's a way you can help yourself beat Houston, getting in the head. All I'm going to tell you is, from a Lakers fan, I, I like what happened. I, I like that. I like that fight. I like the fight. Fight it out. Get in the head. That might be what you have to do to at least give yourself a better chance to beat them. Uh, but there's a long season. So we'll keep an eye on the NBA season. Also, the NHL season is underway. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, but really, the top storylines, NFL and the World Series. I'll be back on Thursday uh, to react to games one and two of the World Series at Fenway. Also give you my picks, picks, picks for week eight in the NFL and my DraftKings. Got to have them play for Sunday's slate. Get this show whenever you want at podcastone.com. Also on iTunes, Spotify, and on my website, dannypicard.com. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all forms of social media. Enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. Enjoy the World Series. I'm out. Talk to you again on Thursday. Thursday.